Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. County Courthouse in Tyler, Texas, is the scene of the fraud trial of Billy Saul Estes. The master promoter has been in the headlines since last March, when his arrest by federal agents revealed his multi-million dollar dealings in liquid fertilizer, grain storage, and cotton allotments. Texas is prosecuting him for fraud, with cameras on hand to report the proceedings. The defense was successful in getting a postponement to round up witnesses, which will also defer a federal prosecution. President, would you care to comment on the Billy Saul Estes affair? Songs about the night they spent protecting you from me. The matter of Billy Saul Estes came to public attention. Someone called us outlaws in some old magazine. As the United States government, this administration indicted him. New York City posse down like guns. From Dallas, three shots reportedly were fired at the motorcade of President Kennedy today. Don't jump fakers out, law bitches done got out of hand. KLIF News is checking out the report. We will have further reports. Stay tuned. What started out to be a joke that all don't understand. <laughs> Was it singing through my nose that got me busted by? I heard you're having some problems with Clint. Clint is a fool, and I will not tolerate his insolence much longer. What I like about the man, he's a philosopher. I heart him give you somebody to talk to. That'll free the rest of us up, mate. We'll get a little work done. I like a shot of whiskey and so would my companion. It ain't too much trouble. You got mud in your ears or what? Try or what'll it be, old timer? Try will do, provided it gets here quick. Darn cowboys ought to broom yourselves off before you walk in here. That'll be a dollar. Besides the whiskey, I think we'll require a little respect. I'm Captain Augustus McCray. This is Captain Woodrow F. Call. Now, if you care to turn around, you can see how we looked when we was younger and the people around here wanted to make us senators. Now, the thing we didn't put up with then was dawdling service. And as you can see, we still don't put up with it. Now then, if I could have a... Fresh glass, please. You just broke my nose, you old son of a Well, here's to the sunny slopes. Long ago. Fans of the Spoken Word, podcast recipients, denizens of the universe, members of my tribe, welcome. It is I, Clinton, of this little ditty we call OK Talk, and we're going to give you a full throw to Texas today (laughs) as uh, one of the best people to walk the planet, Clayboy Stevens, is 
going to join us this evening on the phone. And we had a lengthy phone conversation that went all over the place. This is really catching up and talking about a lot of the wildness of which we know. And, you know, his grandfather also happens to be Billy Saul Estes. Clay got to see some of the best of the youngest of me as we made that awkward transition of realizing that we had sucked on the teat of university far too long. We either had to give ourselves to it fully or continue anew. And we at least put the pedal to the metal for those last few years. Unfortunately, our phone conversation isn't the best quality just because of the storms we've been having here in Texas, but I cleaned it up a little bit, but it's like somebody once said, you know, if you don't like it, it's tough shit. I mean, here we come. To help me introduce Mr. Clay is our mutual good long friend, David Lounge. And Dave's known Clay since the first grade. David, what was your first memory of Clay? Every week you had to bring in words you cut out from a newspaper and you had to make a sentence. And if you didn't do it, you got in trouble. You got your name on the board. And it was like the last week of school. You know, I got to school and realized that I didn't cut the words out. And I was about to get my name on the board and I never got my name on the board. Like I was really, that was a huge deal to me. Like you just didn't do that. And I was terrified. And when it got to me, I told him I didn't have it and she was she was uh, you know surprised and everybody knew what happened you got your name on the board so she went up to write my name on the board and Clay piped in and he went on and on about how uh, you know I'd done it every week I'd, without fail this was the only week I hadn't done it in first grade and he's this, calling this, the teacher this out? is in first grade and that we should take a vote a class vote to see that you know if I should get my name on the board and so she agreed they took the vote and I didn't get my name on the board but from that point on dude you knew that dude had your back well that's just the kind of person that Clay is right you know? more true I mean that's just a that's my first memory of him and we reached Clayboy via the miracle of spotty service and telephonic communication Somewhere down there where the outlaws roam, South Texas. Enjoy. What are we smoking these days, Claymore? I'm back to the Marlboro Lodge. Thing, but 
What the fuck are we doing, Abilene? I mean, you got land out there? Um, no. I mean, my dad's house is still there. He'd probably be down. He bought land down here, so he'd probably be here at the ranch, and his house would be open and available. My grandmother's house is empty because she just moved into um, a nursing home. And I'm Man, looking I, I haven't been to Abilene in a long time. I, I could roll out there, and I can come up with a, a really good reason. Like, you know, I, I bring the camera and shit. Like, we roll footage and shit. Like, we could... We can make it worthwhile, and the interesting thing would be Dave, I know, has a real he, – he's, you know, he's going to tell you it's tough for him to get away. You know? I imagine, yeah, yeah. Uh, mainly because we had already been talking about doing a weekend camp, but you know what? Isaac's baseball shit ends, just ended. So, I don't know, man, and the weather is actually kind of pleasant. Maybe he'd be up for it. I don't know, man. Um, if you're talking about next weekend. Not this you know, coming weekend. I've got to be down here, but the following one. So, so this that Friday be, is the 4th, not this, not, not June 4th, but June 9th. So, that's the weekend in between. The next week I would be going to Disney. So, yeah. Yeah, let's, uh, like, I'll hit him up to that, too, because we have been talking about just, uh, heading out that way with the yurt anyway. Um, you know, I could get some boomers or something. I'm down for whatever, man. We could go have a real good time. I've been I've been through Apple in a minute. There's a lot of good shit that's going on there now. I'm interested in doing it just because it's a it's a workable size to to start a business that could expand other other places but to try and jump in the into the stream of what's happening down here right now it's too fast and nothing is a buyer's market yeah so you're gonna overpay for anything for the next two years that's true you know really honestly i don't want to work for somebody else you know so yeah yeah i've been thinking about as far as land purchases, I'm always, like, either the woods of East Texas or, like, down there by the Bend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the Bend would be real smart. Um, William just uh, – so William's dad – William Weatherford's dad just – they had a – he and his uncle had gone in on uh, 40 acres in Terlingua, and uh, his uncle had passed, and William's, like, buying his uncle's part out from his cousin's. And it's like backs up to the park, but oh, wow. that's that's really weird because you have to do the border patrol thing coming back because you're mm-hmm. almost you know I mean you're you're there but you're there where the cactus flower grows that's for fuck sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's amazing out there. I don't know what that land is going to be good for other than room. Yeah, dirt and, dirt and space and beauty. Um, exactly. We'll I mean, it's going to take a long time for them to populate that bitch. So it really is the escapism of it. And your doubts, you know, again, Clay, the outlaws move further south as it go. <laughs> you know, why was this thing that we'd go ahead and sneak on over into Mexico tonight, maybe steal us some horses? Well, it actually stealing since so old Poncho was the one that stole them from us on this side anyway. <laughs> so goes, so went the logic. Yeah. That was a really poor rendition of the Augustus and Call conversations of yore. Clay, how much, how much did you love? I feel like you would appreciate it a little bit more than most. Did you watch um, Deadwood? No, I haven't seen it. Bro, it's like Shakespeare on it, on Ian McShane. Oh, God. I had a really big big Western revival last year. I don't know. I went full board down the uh, Comanche Moon and Lonesome Dove and all that shit. Comanche Moon's incredible. Lonesome Dove is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. I think he did a beautiful job for writing a historical biography at this far of a remove uh, up against all of that lore. That was, that was a tall order and he didn't fall into the lore. He kept it very historical and still mm-hmm. kept a, a lot of the power of it. 
Mm-hmm. But to create the characters that that McMurtry created, I mean, shit, dude. If I had that, I'd I'd be the next frickin' Tolstoy. But I I can't come up with characters and plots to save my fucking life. All I've got is prose. You see, now that isn't that interesting that I would say that you know and have stories of the craziest fucking characters. The problem I can't write any of them, and they they boxed me in. I don't want to hurt my mama's feelings. Dave and Trey were over here last night for the Mavs game, and uh, before it started, Trey hadn't seen any of the Tales from the Tour bus. Yeah, so the Wayland Jennings shit is unbelievable, and the first one, it starts with this quote. Somebody asked me one time, when you go write a book about all them Wayland years, and said, hell, not as long as my mama's alive. (laughs) That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, I know, I know, man. And, dude, I thought that I would, like, when I initially started this pod, I used to get paranoid about, am I supposed to am I supposed to act like I'm on the radio? Because one time when I was on the radio in Dallas, Fort Worth, on a massive radio station, my father actually heard me say something. I was like, you better not let your mother hear you say something like that. Yes. Well, my dad comes home from church because at that point, I wasn't interested in joining them. And uh, he was like, hey, somebody uh, somebody asked, came up to us today and was like, hey, you're Cliff Rayberry's daddy, aren't you? Man, I love his podcast. I, I was like, I really shit a brick. <laughs> Talking about tight ass and throwing out biker bars and what the five feet of the face. <laughs> you know? Shit, I got an episode entitled We Gonna Kill Him, Billy. Well, we gonna kill him. <laughs> what are they gonna do, Billy? What they said they were gonna do to him. We gonna kill him, Billy. <laughs> oh Lord, no! You boys too. You boys too mean for me. Uh huh. Dude, I was so after I left uh, Cliff and the ticket, uh, I uh, picked up independent gigs at Salem, which is the Christian network over there in Irving. And they run, like, you know, they run all kinds of radio stations out of there. And I would just be there for, like, a 12-hour shift on a Saturday night. And when I would be up there, that's how I started the pod because I had full access to everything. Nobody was there but me. But when you go to that control room, it sounded like something out of Dante's Inferno, right, where you're hearing just, like, so many voices. You're like, it's, you have to have all the stations up at once. And it's just, like, chaos, bro. Like, Clay, there's a radio show that they ran. I can't remember where it came from, but it's this preacher. Dude, he had been dead 30 years, and his son had all the tapes of his sermons. And his son would be like, uh, a lady named Betsy asked us, what does she do when uh, her neighbor has posted something bad on her Instagram account. And then he plays tape of his daddy, you know, 35 years ago in some tiny church going, you know, we need to quit bitching at each other, you know. And the Bible says we don't need to do that. I was like, that is the most genius bit I have ever heard. Like, that old man is answering this woman, and he's been dead for 45 years. Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) You know? That has that has a, a strange parallel to something that is way on my back burner to do in literature, which is respond to a lot of the letters that were written to Samuel Johnson, to the good Doctor Johnson, asking him for moral advice back when he was publishing uh, the Rambler, and and see what a modern day response to to an eighteenth century problem would look like. That's a great idea, man. That's a great idea. That is some. There's some brilliant exchanges in there that some shit just hasn't changed. Yeah, human human problems are, are, are the same. Right. I hear this guy talking about the JFK assassination, and I hear him say, "Well, people don't understand this, and they think that he's really not even involved." Uh, but Bill Tolistis was a one of the crookedest people in the history of this country, let alone involved in this situation. And I'm just sitting there with my jaw open like, dude. When I think about taking on my granddad, though, I mean, that, that to me is, is he's a he's a conundrum because 
on the one hand, he was the most loving, good-hearted, you know, moral person you could ever meet. I mean, he had his code and he stuck to stuck to his code, whatever it was, and it definitely involved love and compassion. But at the same time, I'm certain he could have been a tyrant, particularly up against the people that he was fighting against, most of whom were racists, and he was not. Right. He wouldn't have given two shits about steamrolling somebody, thought bad of him for having black seat at his table. Right. Yeah. God knows what a man like that would do backed with the kind of power that was backing him. So it's like, I don't know. I don't, if he was a crook, he was fucking Robin Hood. That's all I gotta say. Well, that's the thing. I don't think I don't think anybody gets that straight. Like, be, that, that outlaw thing is totally different than you being like a a bad guy. It's double birds to the north, Clay. Really. That's all I hate about it. Was like, oh, he was crooked. No, he he may have done some really crooked shit, but in an environment he was swimming in, I mean, he was crooked to those that need to get cropped. I would think so. If some fucking Yankee is going to give him money for land that doesn't exist, anybody that really, like, lived down here, that had been happening forever. It was a big dust stuff out there because the John Birchers went after him. You know, they burned a cross in his yard. I mean, somebody tried to kill him on Christmas Day, put a bullet through his window on Christmas fucking day. You know, rang his house knew where his head would pass in front of a window, but his brother had gone to answer the phone and bullet, wham! I think they had bulletproof glass installed at that point. It was a, it was just, it was a, a shit ton of craziness and there was a lot of stuff that was stirred up and there's no way of, I, I, there might be a way of finding out, you know, pretty precisely what happened, but most of them are all dead and that time is gone. And so understanding it from the outside looking in, I'm sure somebody could just come down and be like, yeah, he was using all kinds of creative ways to break banking laws, but he damn sure wasn't stealing any money from his investors. That's on the record in court. He, he was up to date on every one of his notes with every, every creditor he had. Right. And if he had been let alone to run, run his idea through to the, to the end game, nobody would have lost money. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't made off, you know, yeah, he he wasn't trying to scam anybody. He had ideas that there just wasn't laws to to contain it. All they got mad about is that they didn't come up with the idea first. Yeah, it's all legal now. Yep, exactly. So what was his connection with Granberry directly? My aunt Pam married uh Dr. Paget up there and moved there and then he moved he retired there. Shit, not like he was working. He moved there when my grandma, after my grandmother's parents passed away, and she was able to leave Brady. She moved up there, and he was there. Then he was buried there. That's we later exhumed him and took him to the family plot in Clyde. Whenever my uncle built that, you exhumed him from Granbury. Yeah, he's been ex- he's exhumed and moved to the family farm. He definitely had a seed down there. Yeah, that's where my aunt is buried. She passed away, the one whose shop you were in, she passed away uh, several years ago, pretty suddenly. That sucks. <clears throat> what a great little town, man. I love that city. Yeah, it's a really cool place. Well, they're sort of, uh, sort of in the middle of something that um, I'm constantly drawing attention to now, which is, hear the did you hear about the dude out there in La Pan that was supposedly killed by a mountain lion? Killed by what? A mountain lion. A mountain lion? No. <laughs> about to put you on headphones and run into the store. So as okay, you're telling me the story, I'm going to be buying smokes. Now, you get the smokes, and then when you back up to Carl, start the story. I'll talk you through the smoke process. But yeah, just, just, You just keep rolling. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm rolling. We're rolling. We're rolling. What about that gal at the chicken place? This thing ain't even old. <laughs> you waited in line 20 minutes. Nobody came to the squat box to take your order. You pull up to the drive through window. The girl dawdles up. is like, uh-huh. You go, yeah, I'm hoping to order some chicken. <laughs> Apparently she turned around and goes, Laura? And then looks down at her 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 headset box on her on her waist and goes, Oh, hell, this thing ain't even on. 
Tell that is like one of the greatest moments that I've ever been a part of. It's like I was waiting on your ass. Go back to fried chicken. Oh, hell. Ain't even like, that's why we've got we've to gotta converse because you can remind me of the things that I actually did forget. Oh, hell. This thing ain't even on. Laura. This thing hadn't been on all night. No, no. I mean, I was there for 20 fucking minutes waiting for you to say something. Hello? You said you were chilling. Hello? Hello? Just entertaining myself. Completely entertaining yourself in the fucking fucking empty ass drive through. All the lights on. <laughs> and you were notorious too, if you re- recall. You never used the street. You drove straight from the, the parking lot across the field, off the curb, into the. <laughs> I totally forgot about all that field driving we do. <laughs> he refused to go around <laughs> the extra eighth of a mile or whatever it was. Dude, that's for real, man. That was for real. A lot of really, really, really profound shit happened in that field, that's for sure. Oh, I was victorious. That, 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 that's genius. That's fucking brilliant. Laura? Oh, hell, this thing ain't even on. cared less. Dude, you see how, you know, at the time, I was entertaining myself with a how, you know, probably giving it extra loud, hoping that she'd have her head out the window and hear me. But look at the joy that I provided to so many people, low these many years. My cousin in Japan will pass that story on to his half-Japanese son. It will be translated. And that is why they say, I'm going to live forever. You're going to miss me when I'm gone. Good to talk to you. You too, brother. Who else knows me as Count Cecil, dude? (laughs) Von Mandelbaum. Von Mandelbaum. Dude, that guy that we rented that house from was so pissed off at me. (laughs) So that place that Sarah and Daniel and I moved into, it was over off Larchwood in East Dallas, right there next to Flagpole Hill. Okay. And a uh, nice place, man. You know, and the three of us moved in there, and then for a while, Clint Piper was there, and um, you know, it was a nice house, big nice house. As Daniel said, "I love the fine crown molding." Um, <laughs> the dude that had the, the dude that rented it to us was man. He was just a prick, you know. He was a he, you know what he reminded me of is Richard Dreyfuss and What About Bob? That's what he reminded <laughs> Shit. me. Of. Yeah, exactly. How do you think me and that dude play, right? We do oh. And, you know, I had to kind of, like, hustle him, get him to let us sign the lease, you know, because, I mean, we're all right out of college. And, I mean, Sarah was going to be banking. You know, she made 80 right off the fucking camp, but she ain't got a check yet. And, he, you know, I think we paid him a little bit extra for the deposit. Yeah, because of Giuseppe. He didn't really want us to have the dog, but he let me bring Choppy. And... You know, as it usually do with those people, they usually kind of get ticked at some point when we leave, you know. You might try to steal the refrigerator you just put in that bitch. I don't know. That happens. Out of that car, no boy. That refrigerator needs to come back now. Um, but he, 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 I sent it, he had sent me so much email harassing me saying who's going to bring litigation against me if I didn't take care of something. And I, I, like, responded to him in email form, and he goes, well, hello, Count. And I could just see him sitting at his computer writing that email back to me, referring to me as, well, hello, Count. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, he realized who he was finally, he finally realized who he was dealing with. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as soon as he saw dude, this motherfucker calls himself Count Cecil von Mandelbaum. Whoa. <laughs> he finally got it. He finally got it. Again, because I was so, um, you know how I, you know how I do with authority. I mean, I was pissed when I got to ATU, and they were like trying to force me to have an email address. So I was like, how about this? Thing you want. 
trying to root out. He's trying to do some stumping tonight, and hell, his winch broke. He ain't got any dynamite, dude. <laughs> it's a bad day whenever they say, yes, I do. You've got to get out of that place. Mm-hmm. Well, Waylon used to roll around with a with a dynamite. Billy Joe said he'd take it. He'd go, "Hey, come in and look at this," and he'd run his run his finger across that dynamite and then snap it and then pop. Real loud, scared the shit out of him. I dated this girl up in Nashville, and she took me to his old studio and showed me on the wall. It's a cinder block wall that's been painted white around the back side of this office on Music Road. And it's got all these gouges in it. I mean, you can tell it looked like somebody taking a screwdriver to it. But what it was was whenever Waylon would get pissed off, he would go outside, smoke a cigarette, and take his pocket knife and just stab the wall. And he knocked gouges out of the uh, – it must have been a pretty decent-sized buck knife that he had – that he kept just to, just to stab the wall as hard as he could. He was so frustrated with Nashville. It was before he learned to come to Austin. That would have been a hard two worlds to meld together, an outlaw like him. With, you know, Nashville's an interesting scene. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's what they did is they told Nashville to go fuck themselves, and that's why Willie had left, because they wouldn't let Willie play on his own songs. You know, they wanted to hire studio musicians and shit. They, thought he, they knew he was a good songwriter, but they didn't ever think he'd amount to anything. So he's yeah. like, fuck your couch, I'm going back to Texas. And then he was down there like a month, and he called Waylon. He was like, dude, you better get down here. I mean, where else? Cowboys and hippies kicking it. It's perfect. They played that first show, Waylon walked out there and saw all those people, like saw all those hippies. And he's like, where's that redheaded son of a bitch? What'd you get me into? Because <laughs> he was like, they've never seen shit kickers and hippies just kicking it. It's going to be a brawl. They were either playing honky tonks or they were playing to you know the the old perm and suit crowd that wanted some spirituals thrown in. Hey, do you remember when we went to that Bela Fleck thing at Dripping Springs? Yes, absolutely. Dude, so that was the night I got puddled. I would think it was leftover stamp. No, you were there. You and Preston were both there. There was a, it was a like it was a the folk festival at Dripping Springs and Bela. I'm positive it was Bela was the last group. Maybe it was leftover. Peter but, Rowan came out in Midnight Moonlight with him, and then they had that big, huge gal. The only thing I really remember is what happened after the fact, but Chris and I were had gone to the concession stand, and we're walking back, and these two looks walked by, and he said, what's my acid? Like, as he's walking by, you know? And I'm, I turn around, I'm like, yes. And, and he goes, and he's holding, so he's holding a little sweet breath bottle, right? And he's like, okay, I'll just drop it on your tongue, you know? And I open my mouth. He just squirted so much in there, it was running out of both sides. I'm like, oh, hey, he, and he did that thing where he just looked at me and goes, sorry, bro. <laughs> and took off, you know? And, uh, and Chris is looking at me and his eyes Bad weather, but they thought it'd be like well after the show, you know. 
Right. And I am, I mean, I'm talking about as the world around me is melting into things. I'm looking at that Texas flag and the wind is whipping up and the band is just up there and they've been jamming. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, because at the beginning, when we first got there, you couldn't get close to the stage because all those old people had their chairs. They were camped out in their lawn chairs. Right. In the first 50 yards. And that woman came out clay. She was 350 with a moo moo. 350 with a moo moo. Right up to that microphone. And this is the first thing she said, Clay. You're going to get what you pay for. <laughs> we made it back to the Tahoe. And I mean, you know, it is like they played until the weather blew them off the stage, right? And it was like everyone is just basically running. And Kurt traveling band was they 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 killed it. They absolutely nailed it. Really did. And we climbed into the back of my Tahoe and we laid down. Dude, and I mean, I was looking at myself laying below me. I was floating up out of my body. <laughs> I can see Chris is laying there snoring like we're both laying in the back of that Tahoe. And dude, I looked out the window. And the trees, man, the trees. And at the same time, I can hear myself going. I'm like looking out the window at the trees. It's just like, I mean, it looks like Wizard of Oz shit, right? And How did you not think that you were having a, a, a near death experience? Well, because I'm a Jedi, that's one. <laughs> no, but I tell you what, things were not the same after that, bro. That rest of that semester, I can see air particles. I mean, look at that. Like, he, and you know what's funny? So probably, like, I, I definitely was wearing, like, I had short hair at that point because that was also, like, you know, that would that would have been 2000 because I was wearing that fish zip-up fleece that I got at Big Cypress. So I probably looked like, you know, the prep school hippie kid. And that woke was just like, we're going to rock your motherfucking mind, son. <laughs> I wish I, if I could see that dude right now, I'd buy him an ice cream because that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Where guys behind closed doors and Pendleton shirts are getting kicks from things that he'll never know. Not that, not that trap. My God, when you went, you went fast, my friend. You caught some wind and some sails and. You were off. That was a wild time. That was a wild, wild time. You were a good soul through it all. And those were some rough years. You put up with some rough shit with me. I thank you for it. Hey, man. It was a crazy time. That's like, you know, when you're out there and we're just doing our thing, but we don't really have any fucking direction, you know? Uh, too Too much firepower and not enough engines. Right. We're just figuring shit out, man. You know, just figuring it out. I mean, like I said, dude, that, that, yes, that was a wild time, man. <laughs> well, I actually mean, what it was, it was, it was a Rolls Royce Merlin engine that we had, that we had stolen off of a, a, a Spitfire and strapped it to a, to a go-kart uh-huh. with, with duct tape and we're trying to do something, do business in Abilene. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we may go up on your campus and steal your golf carts and then sell them, have someone come to the night and take them. No connection to reality. <laughs> oh, I think we were the only ones that were connected to reality, I think. I like to say, how would he have answered to Royce Money being like, what do you mean you lost a golf cart? <laughs> well, I got off of it to chase these vandals. And another one came up behind me and took it. <laughs> and that's how they did. And we told them to turn that music down in the backyard. They got a band playing out there by that pool and tiki torches and more girls. And you know what to do with it. And we told them, since the cops were there, to turn it down. But every time we do, for some reason, three blocks over, they start shooting the biggest fireworks we ever seen. Now, we got to go catch them now. You remember we were going to try and turn my dad's storage uh, barn over on Chestnut Street, which was the old uh, – it was an old uh, 
plaster molding company. Great, you know, just blown out old warehouse type building the last used in the 40s and still had shit in there. And you remember we were going to turn it into a, a straight up legitimate speakeasy? <laughs> yes, dude. I, I bet you if I tried right now, I could find the notebook that had the notes for the speakeasy in it. I was telling Dave the other day that you and I also were like, dude, we just need to get a fucking vaudeville play going and just do that shit. Put it in the speakeasy. Yeah, that, that is how the speakeasy came about. Level. We're like, but where will we play? Well, we won't have a theater circuit because we won't need to follow gangsters around who have syphilis and need to go to the hot springs. Illegal liquor opening after hours. Had it planned to where people could park down the street. I'm pretty uh, sure my thinking was that, hey, we'll get ourselves an ice cream thing because I know this black dude in Tyler, that's what I saw him do. You got a 357 thigh holster? <laughs> if we had done it and actually pulled it off, you do realize that everybody who is everybody would have somehow found their way there. That's the place that Cormac McCarthy would go. Right. <laughs> you know? it is. Alas, he should have come over to the the Westheimer at the second and third floor because we were running the speakeasy. We just had different kinds <laughs> of spirits. <laughs> Shit. Having our buddy come back out of the interrogation room and saying, hey, man, they got 16 folders, one for each of us in there. <laughs> I didn't know I was so important. They think I'm associated. I'm the one that orchestrated. Well, Beaner and Granberry went down there and pretended like that in environmental science class. Project. <laughs> Hell, came back with half of the peyote in the known world. <laughs> he was always known for nosing out the good stuff. You can count on him. What's Josh up to these days? So he's got baby number two on the way. You know, he takes care of the money side of this little operation we do, and I take care of the creative. He was always a very, very sharp character. And I um, tell you, if you want to get, if we want to, if you want to get together and do some creative, creative shit, I obviously have a lot of time on my hands right now. It, it's beautiful talking to you because it bounces the reality back and forth, right? And what emerges out of it is some sense of of the way it was. Talking to you now is it's definitely the way it felt, and it's definitely the fun and the joy and the life that was in it and the craziness that was in it, right? Yeah. But it's good talking about it from this side of the equation, having survived, survived it and learned. <laughs> yeah, it could have been, obviously it could have been a disaster. I mean, it certainly oh. fell by the wayside. It could have been a, it could have been way worse. <laughs> don't think for a second that I don't know. At that point, like I had, I like I knew that. They weren't, they weren't going to stop me at that point. Like, I had an invisibility cloak. That was the only thing I knew. I didn't know where I was going, but I knew that place wasn't going to be the one that stopped me, you know. It is funny. I do, I do kind of remember being slightly domesticated before we moved, practically living over there at Sarah's. But And she's doing well, by the way. That's good to hear. She bought herself a condo down there in uh, Mazelon. Nice. Yeah. But she's super pissed because she's been stuck there this entire time. She did come up. We got together. Shit, now it's been what, like 2019 since I saw her. She was in town. The man with whom she domesticates, his mom was sick or something, and she came up here. And uh, so we got together that night, like went out to Lakewood or whatever. You just talk about old times, gliding right back into it. We're driving around fancy-ass East Dallas cutting through this neighborhood and there is a some sort of a silver sports car this is two in the morning right that is smashed into a full-on brick mailbox both doors are <laughs> wide open the one back wheel is spinning and smoke is coming up out of the front of it the bumper <laughs> and every other piece of that front thing is slung all over this beautiful little neighborhood cove and there's a pe there's one shoe on the sidewalk his 
there's like a blouse on the grass, and then the other shoe, and there's some <laughs> sort of liquid, and the door is cracked open. What? No shit, dude. No what shit. What the hell is going on? So I don't know if you watched destruction. I don't know if you watched uh, that the righteous gemstones. You know, he's doing all this stuff, and the way he tells his super sweet Christian wife what he's doing, he's like, "Oh, baby, that's just me and me and the boys. We're just having car pranks." <laughs> I swear to God, I had a cramp. We laughed so hard about car pranks. <laughs> car pranks. <laughs> this is mayhem. Like, how do you explain that? <laughs> car pranks. I could not drive away from it because I was laughing so hard. So how is it that, you know, me and, and her, 10 years we hadn't seen each other, you know? <laughs> Two in the morning, just looking at this thing like it's some sort of an art exhibit in the middle of the <laughs> Installation piece. Yeah. Yeah. It might as well be the living van go. Car pranks. Last thing I saw John Goodman in was that uh, Inside Lou and Davis. Oh, yeah, it's great. Cohen Brothers. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. And Did you know about the concert? Yeah, Gal I dated was at that concert. Yeah, I didn't realize that all the music wasn't in the film, that the concert was truly, you know, a separate thing, you know, the music that inspired it. Right. And everything around that time. Gotcha. She was actually the first publicist for Sturgill Simpson and Milk Carton Kids. Get out. Savvy as shit. From Tennessee. Nashville is a sweet little town. Great place to spend a bit of time. Did you go to Jack White's joint? I did not. I didn't get I didn't get out much at all the whole time I was there. Actually. I've made several runs to Canada, you know, pre COVID and back, and that's the way that I go. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hell of a drive, dude. Wandering up in a abandoned churches, middle of the afternoon in the woods, just because when I had to stop and get gas, I just decided to Google, where's a creepy place around here? I couldn't get over how much Nashville and Austin were alike. Yeah. Well, I mean, Austin was the cooler little brother of Nashville. Again, Willie was like, this is where we should be, and people followed, you know. I mean, Nashville was pissed about it at the time, but, you know, they got over it. Part of the whole reason why Willie bolted Nashville was because of the Glazer brothers. Hmm. Because they were kind of running the the suit and tie special up there. Right. So, I, I seriously, I didn't know this until like three or four years ago. But Paul Glazer, he just happened to own the first radio station that I worked at. It was right before I went to go to school in London. And so I knew I was going to be leaving that radio station anyway. The bastard that worked at the music station next to me, and he wouldn't turn his damn <laughs> monitor down. And I would like, go and write on his discrepancy sheet on the log, like, turn it down, fatty. You know? And, um, he went and complained to Glazer one day, and I just, you know, I wasn't in the mood for it that day. And, uh, of course, I knew I was leaving in, like, two weeks or whatever, and I don't know him from anybody. You know, I know he's the boss. Man, what, what are you doing around here, dude? He was like, hey, uh, well, Paul said you wrote some of You know, you don't need to be doing that. I was like, you called me in here for that? And I reached into my pocket, and I pulled my key ring out, and I pulled the key off, and I was like, I fucking quit. And threw it out and walked out the door. True story. And now I'm finding out this dude, like, invented country music or some shit. <laughs> Mr. Opportunity, right? I ran into him 10 years later at the Democratic National Convention, and I seem to have been doing better than he was. I cannot cannot imagine having to deal with you as an employee at that age. At that age? I worked for Susquehanna Falsecraft, which was a brilliant company. They owned 16 radio stations. That's it. 
You know, they paid their employees. They gave them Christmas bonuses. We got free China. Yeah, false craft. Interesting. Cumulus bought bought them out and, you know, came in and did the hack job. Where it's basically like half of the people were gone already. But, like, I hadn't been there long enough to be one of the people that got cut, but I was there early enough to get a pretty good salary for what I was going to be doing. And as they continuously were pushed to drop the budget, they are like, you know, what we need to do is get rid of him because we could probably get somebody in here to do something like that for $6,000, $7,000 less. Right. And they proceeded to hire seven program directors to try to get fired, but get rid of me. I withstood them all, bro. Withstood them all. We're talking about legends of the business that they would bring in from out of town. And they, I mean, and I knew the drill, too. Like, they, like, gave them some rap sheet on me. Probably got it from that DEA officer in Abilene in one of those folders or something. But they'd give it to them because they'd come in and they'd think I was, like, the worst person in the world. And then they realized I was the only one in that bitch with any talent. And they're like, what are we going to do? Get rid of him. What do you mean? <laughs> I just, I see them putting their shit in the box, and I just look down the hall and go, next! <laughs> Hello, Count. <laughs> Hello, Wapnall. Hello, so I've got to share this with you. There's a brilliant, brilliant Dallas musician by the name of Carter Albrecht, who played in the New Bohemians. What's your face? It's married to Paul. Yeah, you can Carter was also in a band called Sorta, and uh, he lived with Danny Bayless, who is the producer of the Hardline on the ticket in the afternoons, and a hell of a musician himself. And Carter uh, passed away because he was shot by his asshole neighbor uh, through the door um, via the Castle Doctrine or whatever. But the last time I saw Carter was the Super Bowl when the Indianapolis Colts played the Bears. And we were over at Tom Bridwell's house over at Merriman Park. It was before, like, he had just built the studio there. He was having a Super Bowl party. And I'd been in the house, and I turned around to walk back out on the patio to go have a smoke. And Danny and Carter were walking up, and I stood there, and I looked at him, and I go, What the hell are you laughing off? <laughs> And I got a laugh from those two badasses, and that had won the day. Billy Saul, I thank you. <laughs> oh, man, I wish you could have known him. I, believe, I want a sign on my front door that says it. That's what I want. You know, we always make jokes about we should put that on throw pillow, you know? You know, Matt at my front door that says, hello, outlaw. <laughs> it's got to it's gotta be code for if you know, you know. Yeah. And if you, if, you, if you don't, you never will. You're familiar with Way More Blues, yeah? Oh, yeah. It's the live version where he stops, where he's playing it in front of Jesse Coulter. Poetic license. You better watch out. I might just damn well drive to Pflugerville. Come on. Man, there's nothing going on in Pflugerville. That's the beautiful thing about it. We can get away from it. I want to go out there and find exactly on the ground where I need to draw that circle and light a fire so that Comanche war chief can come up and talk to me. <laughs> come on, play. Let's have a thing on to the desert and call up a Comanche war chief, please. Well, it's going to require a little bit of mescaline, a couple liters of tequila. You're going to need mescaline if you're going to get a chief worth shit to talk to. We can do it. We can do it. Wouldn't that be funny, see? We cut corners and we put K2 in there instead of mescaline and, like, we raised some demons. Yeah. That's, that's the more life. That's the likely outcome. That's the actual right. outcome. Hey, shit. This ghost ain't going to know any different. We go to summon the ghost of Quanta Parker mm-hmm. because we want to smoke the peace pipe with him and make, make a... Peace between the nations. <laughs> we end up summoning... One of Beelzebub's underlings. Yeah, yeah, like lower, lower third hell. You tech comes out wearing a Cleveland Indians jersey. <laughs> big old, big old chief on the front of us. 
summon a swarm of flies that would come. <laughs> yeah, they can swarm like the Terminator. <laughs> but if we end up back in Marfa, it'll all be all right somehow. Somehow, as long as we get to Marfa. Well, it's just like crossing the county line and then back at Tank. Follow us across. Can't follow us across the county line. Come dragging ass back into town. Got the heel knocked off of one boot. Clearly a gigantic burn stain on my left ass cheek. (laughs) He was throwing fireballs at me as I ran. (laughs) (laughs) See, I see it. I see it just as clear as I do. Starkweather standing in front of that door. That son of a bitch. He will, oh, defi- he, will, he will definitely have to ride a, a spirit ghost on this deal. Play. Gold, son. <laughs> Gold. I tell you. <laughs> smell it in the hills. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to tell you the story about the mountain lions. Oh, yeah. People are like, finally. So, December 3rd, the weekend after Thanksgiving, right? David and Heather and William and Becca had gotten the kids taken care of for the night. So they drove up, and we had a dinner party. I tried to get Mr. Shelton to go, but he was still uh, under COVID protocols. He was not allowed to leave his domicile. So we we were sitting down at dinner, and uh, Becca looked at me, and she goes, Hey, Clint, did you hear about the guy that they just found right there in LaPan? And they say he was killed by a mountain lion. And I was like, what do you mean they say he was killed by a mountain lion? She was like, well, that's what you're saying. They said that they, they're like, they found his body and they said, they put out a thing about, like, don't anybody come over here and keep, like, hide your kids, hide your wife. I'm just confused because, I'm like, if a dude was killed by a mountain lion, we would know, right? Like, it'd be pretty evident. Sunday, when I get back over to the house after, apparently they found him Thursday evening. Sunday, the Dallas Morning News is running an article that says, well, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department goes out there. They say, not only do we find no evidence of a mountain lion attack, we don't find any evidence of an attack by an animal at all. The Hood County Sheriff, that's right on the Parker-Hood County line, right? The Hood County is, of course, the good old Granberry. And the Sheriff of Granberry is like, I don't know what to tell you. But the dude had his throat ripped out. It was a mountain lion. We sent his body to Tarrant County. I guess we have different opinions. They brought in a mountain lion tracking expert. He said the same thing that the Parks and Wildlife Department said. And the sheriff was like, oh, well, we'll see what happens when the autopsy report comes out. And it may be six weeks. See you later. All that week, there was like there was a, a, a couple that had caught a mountain lion on a camera in Rowlett. A couple of days later, a dude west of Lapan shoots a mountain lion. And again, it's the thing where it's like, it's a tiger shark. We'll just say this is the shark so that the people come into the beach. They said that the dude had puncture wounds to his neck, a grisly crime scene. How do these investigators come in and say, uh uh-uh. uh, uh uh, it's not a mountain lion? Well, in the history of the state of Texas, there is no recorded attacks, fatal attacks by mountain lions in the state of Texas. There's only been 30 in North America in the last 180 years, including Canada. It surprises me that it's that few, but I had I did know that there was none in Texas, and there were jaguars down here too, which I did not know. <laughs> Watch out! It's a bobcat attack my wife! A bobcat! A bobcat! <laughs>
up this morning, it was drizzled and rain. Around the curb come a passenger train. I heard somebody yodel and a hobo moan. Jimmy, he's dead, he's been a long time gone. Been a long time gone. A long time gone. If you want to get to heaven, got a D.I.E. Gotta put on your coat and key. Wanna get the rabbit out the LOG? You gotta make a cold motion like a DOG, not like a DOG. Like a DOG. Okay. 